With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Chicken Nick here for our brand new sponsor, The Beanery. You want a coffee, latte, mocha, tea, or smoothie? Check out our friends at The Beanery, locally owned and operated with locations in Gretna, Papillion, and Ashland. They even created a new drink for our show, the Chicken Nick drink, a caramel and butter pecan latte. Get it hot, iced, or frozen. You'll get a discount any way you order it. It's The Beanery. They're part of the community and a proud part of The Chicken Nick Show and also a fun source for advertising that you'll hear midway through this pod. Here we go. Hey, Nick, how you doing? Ready to shoot the basketball. Oh, I don't know, Nick. Sometimes when you do a cold open, you're just trying to figure out, okay, what works well. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, Nick was calling a basketball game today as we record this. You just wrapped up. We're recording this 8 o'clock Eastern on a Sunday night. Yeah. And you wrapped up about, what, a couple hours ago, A couple right? hours ago, yeah. I mean, I'm uh, I'm back at my hotel here. I'm at the, uh, the Fister Hotel, P-F-I-S-T-E-R okay. Hotel in downtown Milwaukee, which if you Google it, there I'd rather are, not. I'd rather not. Well, let me tell you, you, if you're staying here, you probably shouldn't because there are legendary tales that this hotel is haunted, actually. Like, what? Yes. Like, there are numerous stories from various Major League Baseball teams. Major League Baseball. New Major League Baseball. <laughs> there are various Major League Baseball teams that have stories of uh, some crazy things that have happened. Now, apparently there are like two sides to this hotel. There's like the old side and then kind of the newer renovated side. The old side is haunted. The newer one is not. I am in the newer one, but I've stayed in the older one, and your boy was a little nervous when he went to sleep, boy. Are you afraid of uh, not just the big bad wolf, but are you – do you get a little nervous in the dark, you know, when you're by yourself? Uh, I'm not going to lie. There are times – there are times your boy – the only time I – I mean, I was a little nervous the first time I learned about this. I remember Justin Kutcher first told me. I was like, oh, you're at the Fister? Yeah, it's haunted. I was like, oh, God, why do you got to tell me that? But I was a little nervous the first time I went to I went to bed. But I only get nervous when I'm on the ground. When I'm on the ground floor, like your boy got his residence in game right in East Lansing earlier this year, and I was on the ground floor. And when you open the window and it's just you're right there, I mean, you're just asking to end up on Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> You're listening to the Unsolved Mysteries <laughs> show with Mark Jackson on 1620. I don't believe Unsolved Mysteries is on anymore and and I do I do believe if something happened to you they'd be able to solve it pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> we heard a scream, we thought he was fine, but it turned out he wasn't fine. When the laughter stops, the demise of Nick Barr. coming up next on Unsolved Mysteries. Was there a more 
terrifying song than... Oh. I mean... I mean, come on, Doug. Well, time out. Do you realize that Unsolved Mysteries is back on Netflix? What? Yes. It is back and better than ever. Did on they raise Netflix. Robert Stack from the dead? They, they at least raised his theme music from the dead. <laughs> And I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Your boy got his binge game right a couple of months ago. And I mean, dog, there's some mysteries that are unsolved out there, boy. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> Nick Baugh with breaking news. There are some unsolved mysteries <laughs> out there. Let's go to line two. Nick, you on the line, boy? You know there's some unsolved mysteries that ain't been solved, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you would enjoy. You would like it a lot. But yeah, so your boy's at the Fister. I Fister. You Fister. You Fister. <laughs> you yeah, missed it. You it went over your head then. Yeah. Oh, it went over my head. Yeah. So ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, there's a chance your boy's gonna get a noise complaint. It's super quiet around here. Hopefully, that means the hotel's empty. But if I start screaming and doing various things, I might get a. I might get a noise complaint, but yeah, I mean, St. John's Marquette concluded this afternoon. It was a fantastic basketball game. And uh, uh, before we move on to your basketball uh, (laughs) discussions here, one is, and I know many listeners are thinking this, and we're about three minutes too late on this, but let's say that you know, (laughs) Bo Pelini was staying at the Fister, (laughs) and he's staying there with his wife, and in the middle of the night. His wife starts chatting out loud, and they know it's been haunted, and Bo obviously asks her. You talking to a ghost? (laughs) (laughs) That's how that would go. That's how that would sound. The listeners beat us to the punch, I know, on that. And then the other thing about this, with you and basketball, Mm -hmm. you tweeted out something that was the least surprising tweet (laughs) you have ever tweeted out this was sunday morning and sometimes i'll just read your stuff i'll roll my eyes and go on with my day yeah but there are sometimes where i just have to respond just to give you a little self-awareness about what you are saying no you you tweeted you retweeted marquette basketball a video of dj carton doing his thing for that chicken wing yes And you retweeted it with a quote tweet. You quote tweeted it with you saying, I've been screaming randomly when watching film the past few weeks. DJ Carton has sneaky bounce. (laughs) And you worked in four exclamation points. My response was, you screaming randomly. I find this hard to believe. Color me skeptical. And there was like, you know, anyone who listens to the podcast was clicking like on that. And then, <laughs> then Mustache Adam at Adam24, he tweets, Oh, DJ Carton! <laughs> Nick by himself, probably. Yeah. <laughs> oh, see, sometimes I don't realize as I'm tweeting, like, there are two different lenses at which to view me. There's just. Me, I guess, like FS1 college basketball analyst. And then there's like the chicken Nick lens, <laughs> you know, like, and, and I didn't realize that that's how that was going to land. Because all of a sudden I checked my, all of a sudden my mentions were blown up. I was like, how about this? The world finally realizing your boy is the man. And I click on him like, whoop, nope, still not the man. 
Whoops. Whoops, my bad. Whoops, Still my not bad. the man. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, your boy, I have been screaming though. DJ Carton, I, was, I didn't even realize he had it like that. But I have been yelling quite frequently. Yeah. <sighs> Figured you have. All right. I didn't. I should have asked Brandon Godden if he thought that it, after, after oh, the, no. at the no, end of the game. No, no. <laughs> I should have asked Brandon Godden if he thought that was a fantastic game and one in which he's yet to call in all of his times of calling games. I think that is a fantastic question of one that I have yet to be asked in all these interviews. <laughs> I didn't ask him that. Should have asked him. I should have asked should've him asked that, him. you know. Should have asked him. Yeah, I um, blew it. So you called that game. Yeah. You got another game coming up. Saw your schedule. You got a couple of big games. You got uh we well, got Michigan State Iowa. Yeah, that, that mug got that that mug got postponed a couple weeks ago. So yep, it's got, back. Got and better than ever. You, so you've probably Believe already you. watched five Iowa games. <laughs> yeah, I've watched a lot of Iowa. And I'm, uh, I'm ready to rock and be with your boy Kevin Kugler for that one. And uh, then I'm back at the Fister Hotel getting my haunted house game right with uh, Tim Brando for Marquette and Creighton. So, I mean, dang. yeah, Luel Dang, dog. Well, well that's going to be that's gonna be exciting. It's a great week. It's top uh, five weeks of my life. You, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to play this uh, NCAA tournament. You're going to, we're going to have some fun. Are you uh are you going to be calling uh, any, you know, Big East tournament games? Like, are they? Are you doing that on site? Do we know anything yet? Or? I do not know a, a, a darn thing about any any conference tournament plans. I mean, you your your world's no different than my world from the standpoint of like this. We're living week to week. You know what I mean? Like each week, everything changes. Um, so I mean, I, I I'll get sent games that are from like I'm doing like uh, I'm doing Rutgers at Michigan on like February 21st. I'm like. You might as well t- – t- that file's under whatever you'd be like, coming this summer, like a, a movie trailer that's in a year from him. Like, nah, we'll, I'll worry about that when that gets to uh, to that point because everything can change. But I don't know – I don't know what to think of this conference tournament stuff. What do you think – I mean, we got a disaster on our hands potentially. We could. And I have been under the uh, the belief, and I've said this, that if if you're going to play a conference tournament, every team in your league has to play the tournament. Right, like you just have to encourage it, because if you like the obvious thing is if you have West Coast Conference and Gonzaga says you know what we're not going to play, then that turns into a bid stealing league if BYU doesn't win the the conference tournament, right? Right. And so just for the integrity of of everything, and again these are first world problems where you've got COVID and and everything, and I get all of that, but if you're going to hold the tournament, it might as well be a tournament that's valid and that the bracket isn't full of teams. Hey, you know, we're not going to have our top four teams uh, go to, go to Indianapolis for the big 10 tournament. And uh, so we'll turn, you know, uh, Penn state into a bid steal. Like, right. No, no, we can't do that. So, but I think, I think they should play them, but if they didn't, I think the, the alternative is just play games. Like, you know, fill your inventory with games Play makeup games, play whatever you got to do, even if it's in Indianapolis. Hey, we're not going to do three games in three days, four games in four days, but we are going to play a game or maybe two and just get ready for the tournament. I think, you know, you don't want to just sit idly by and be all rusty going into the NCAA tournament. So I think the options are there to kind of meet the TV inventory and also stay fresh for the game, for the tournament. I'm with you, and I think – the thing that just continues to amaze me, now some of these maybe low major and mid-major conferences 
like the Missouri Valley Conference, for for example, have done back-to-backs and different things like that. Yes, yeah. Uh, but really at the power conference level, let's be honest, they have done nothing different with their scheduling. Nothing. Like, right. I think people thought initially, remember, remember the opening week of college basketball? You had, like, Bubbleville. You had people at the – bunch of teams at the Mohegan Sun. And you saw some different things. Like, ooh, look at, look at college basketball. It's going to be, like, super creative. And, like, no. Like, the Big East, the Big Ten, all, like, everyone is operating under how things always are in an abnormal season with COVID. And I feel like you're just asking for trouble. Like – be honest with yourself. Like with when the NCAA tournament gets here, the chances of sixty-eight teams all being COVID-free are pretty much zero. Mm-hmm. And so, how are you going to handle that? Especially with conference tournaments ending Saturday or sometimes Sunday before the tournament begins. That you know the following weekend, they just didn't give themselves any wiggle room for how they're planning this. And I just think they've invited trouble. And I, I of course, hope that it, there's no trouble. But I am really, really, really nervous at, as to what happens with the NCAA tournament. I just, I I'm think, nervous. I think the NCAA's uh, mindset was: if teams, uh, if teams can't play because of COVID, whatever, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But the bottom line is, we're going to get these games on TV. We're going to fulfill the contract. We're going to make our hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. But here's the scary thing about that, though, is like I. On the, on the surface, I'm with you like, hey, man, just plow ahead, uh, try and make the best of a bad situation and make it work. Okay, well, that's all well and good, but what happens if two days before the tournament starts, Gonzaga and Baylor are on pause? Right. You know, like, yeah, it's not that big a deal, you know, when Captain Crunch Tech at the 14 seed, you know, and you know, Kraft Macaroni and Cheese State at the 15 seed get put on COVID pause. Like, everybody's like, ah, all right, fine. The three seed and the four seed, they'll get, they'll just advance. But, like, what, hap- what happens when it's Nova and it's Baylor and it's Gonzaga and it's Michigan? They're all, they're all out when, oh, by the way, you're staring at Duke and maybe Kentucky and maybe Michigan State. Like, those teams are potentially on the outside looking at them making the NCAA tournament. So, all of a sudden now – you you know you wanted to have this cash behemoth, which you know it's going to be, but I, I don't know. There's just a scenario here where the the tournament is is really in shambles. You know, there is, but and I, I think the I think the biggest thing is get through that opening weekend. Right. I think it's get through that opening weekend, and and as long as you get to those first two days of games with people clear and they're clear because they've been there, they've been tested and you haven't played yet. So hopefully you get through that. And then as teams start to get eliminated, things become a little more easier to say, Hey, let's shift this game or move this back. That's the best part about it being all in one site is that you're not dealing with the, the travel and the delays and that at least it's all in one site, which allows you to be a little more flexible in that. They haven't said anything about the flexibility they're going to have with that. They've made it seem like, hey, if you get test positive, we're not going to delay anything. But I wonder if that'd be true, like even on the second weekend. Yeah, even it's if good you point. get to the final four, right? Like, yeah, that, that just seems a little more easy to to say, hey, let's let's push this back. So, so we're all healthy and ready to go. Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think the biggest thing is they got to get through that first first two days you get through the first two days or even the first you know you get down to the sweet 16 then then yeah you are afforded a little bit more 
Oh, gosh, opportunities. It's, like, it's Thursday's the first four, right? And then it goes Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I think so. Yeah, I, I can't remember. I know the, the calendar's a little bit different. And that's the other thing, speaking of the calendar. I, I'm sure CBS and Turner and the NCAA are sitting there in meetings and saying, if COVID has taught us anything, it's that when sporting events happen outside of the normal parameters on the calendar of when they normally occur, ratings suffer. Right? Like they just do. When you're playing, you know, Eastern Conference final NBA playoff games at like fr- on Friday afternoon or something like that, like in the middle of the fall, you're not going to get as good of a number as you do in May. And so I think they're also thinking to themselves, like, if we can try to keep it in its normal time frame as much as we can, we're going to maximize ratings. And I just, again, I hope that the desire for all that doesn't get crushed with the wrong teams getting popped with covid uh color me skeptical and nervous but i just i guess i'm just amazed that you know here we are on you know the calendar is about to turn to february and it's just it's pretty amazing to me that we have done nothing different when i say we i mean just college it's basketball true. in general we've it, done nothing different other than the fact that the games are you know there are no there are no fans at the games like everything's the exact same for the power conference travel right has been even probably more frequent they 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 smacked games together they said hey we're not going on christmas break right right so well, they jammed them in and the smaller conferences did the back-to-backs which was really smart totally and frankly, you could have done that. The major conference team said, sorry, uh, you know, I know you want these home-at-homes, but it's not going to happen this year. You're going to play two games in East Lansing back-to-back days just to – you're already there, you're going to do it, and limit travel, and do it that way instead of a back-and-forth. But they, they refused to do that, or I don't even know if that was an option. But yeah. it should have been. It should have been. Yeah, it, I mean, I'm, it, it's like I'm calling Winthrop games, and I, you know, it, which is awesome because they're a good team. Yeah. But I've I've called a couple of them, and I'm catching them on the front night of a of a back to back where they're going to stay there, or if they're hosting, they're going to host the same team the next night. I had called them against UNC Asheville last week, and and then they won that game. And then the next night, UNC Asheville popped them for their first loss of the season. But it just made sense to do that. Right. And I know you've heard coaches come out and say, "Hey, we we didn't really do anything different," and I'm not sure why it shouldn't be like this. And that's why you know you can kind of connect the dots of all these games getting postponed. The fact that you've had to wait a couple of weeks to call your Michigan State Iowa game. Yeah. This week. Well, even even the game I just called, Chick, was only scheduled a couple of days ago. St. John's and Marquette. It it got uh, in the UConn and Butler played, and a, an official tested positive in that game after the game, which put UConn in a holding pattern. And Marquette, I believe, was supposed to play UConn. Or one, someone was supposed to play UConn, but that game got eliminated. So then St. John's and Marquette got together and scheduled this game in like three days advance, and it landed on Big Fox, and it came to me three days ago. You know, like that's how much this stuff is happening on the fly. And I get that, like, we're, we're in during this pandemic. You were never going to have a season where you did, where you where it was perfect, right? You were never going to have a season where no games were lost and all that stuff. But I do believe that there were options out there that could have minimized the amount of cancellations and postponements that you've seen from a lot of these power conferences. One of which would have been playing back to backs or doing some sort of 
you know, I remember talking to Bruce Rasmussen about this. You know, the idea of like, okay, so this weekend you're going to fly four schools to one site. You know, you're going to fly Xavier, right. Butler, Marquette, and Creighton all to Indianapolis, and they're going to play three games in three days against each other. You know what I mean? And there, and then in a short time frame, when everybody's you know clear. You play a lot of games, and then you move on to, like, the next pod. Like, even something like that, just for whatever reason, I don't know why college basketball is kind of, like, paralyzed with trying to do something abnormal, but it, it's just been it's been frustrating uh, to, to watch unfold because I just know there, was a better, there were better options out there to make sure that games get in, period. Yeah, now Michigan's on pause, and hopefully they'll get back soon, but it's, uh, yeah, it's been kind of a cluster and I think the end line, the finish line has been there. And as long as, even if you're stumbling and you're tripping over your feet, you're still running the race. And the NCAA is like, just get to the finish line, man. Yeah, I, mean, I know you got go. scraped knees. I know this ain't feeling good. Just get there. You know, so you missed a few games. So you caught COVID. We're good to go, right? Like, I, ju- I just think, I think. Cash these checks. I- I'm totally with you. You know, because like in, in one hand, like that eh, college football kind of did that. They just kind of, you know, in, in the midst of some of the stumbles and trials and tribulations of the season, they just got through it. Yeah, they did. And the reason it felt good is because you had the top dogs there in the end, right? Like the it, when, when it right. came right down to it, you had Ohio State, you had and, Clemson, you had all those top dogs. And well, you knew there were so many fewer variables with games and number of games. Totally. But the big thing is, is it feels – the, the the way college football, if you want to say they stumbled to the finish line, the way they got to the finish line felt fine because it felt like that's what it would have been even in a nor- – like even pandemic-free, guess who probably would have been in the playoff? Ohio State and Clemson and Bama, right? Like those were probably going to be the teams that were there anyways. Well, you want to know how it feels really not good is if the Final Four is like – you know, it's it's uh, it's a it's it's not Gonzaga, not Baylor, not Villanova, not Michigan. You know what I mean? It's it's a bunch of of random teams that you go, really? They're like this isn't who we thought it was going to be. And you could directly point to, well, yeah, they wouldn't have. It would have been Gonzaga, but Gonzaga didn't play. And yeah, it would have been Baylor, but Baylor didn't play. That's all I'm saying is like everything's yep. going to feel all is well that ends well. But it better end well with the right teams involved or at least the right teams controlling their own destiny by being able to play. If Gonzaga and Baylor and Villanova don't make it to the Final Four, listen, that's the nature of the tournament, and they got knocked out by somebody. But if they don't make it because they couldn't play, then everybody's going to go, what? The- Come on. And and my reaction is you could have avoided this potentially depending on how college basketball structures things over the next month and a half. No doubt. And, there's, and the funny thing is the NCAA tournament, you usually get a couple of teams like that anyway in the right. Final Four, but at least it's because they did it on the court. Like That's Loyola it. Chicago getting in in a pandemic year, be like, well, it's only because of the pandemic. Yeah, right. No, you're <laughs> you right. Know? You're right. I mean, th- that's that's just it. Like, that's the nature of the tournament. You get those random Cinderella's that make runs. But as long as those Cinderella's make runs by knocking out top dogs and the top dogs weren't knocked out by COVID, then everyone's going to be fine with it. But if the top dogs are knocked out by COVID, then everyone's going to kind of not feel great about it. Yeah, you get a, a South Carolina seven seed out of the East you know, a few <laughs> right. years ago or, or an Auburn even the last time we did a Final Four. Uh, was a five seed, so yeah, but uh, but I'm with you, and I hope uh, I hope we get there, and I hope everyone's uh, good to go. But I'm also with you in that it's going to be really surprising if no team uh, has an issue. I just right? don't see how it's. I mean, yeah. based on how the season's played out, the idea that 68 teams 
all are going to be completely clear and free and good and ready to rock, just like it's probably not going to happen. And you just better hope that it's not it's it's not the 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 types of teams that are going to make you really question the kind of validity of the whole thing. Uh, by the way, uh, speaking of teams that have been surprises in the past, remember uh, Butler back in uh, 2010 was a five seed. Uh, they were an eight seed the following year, made it to the national championship game, both games. And I use that as a terrible transition. Did you hear what happened? Uh, Butler played Xavier uh, over the weekend. Yep. And Xavier took that bus trip to Butler. And did you hear what happened uh, with the team bus? Did no. Did you hear anything? No, okay. I've not. I've, I, I watched a little bit of the game last night. But no, I, right. I Xavier, what happened? Let me read you this uh, tweet here. This is from... Uh, Marcus Walters of WKTY-TV. He writes, The Xavier men's basketball team was en route via bus to Indianapolis, but had to turn around after 45 minutes because they forgot to wait on Jason Carter, who was in the bathroom during loading time. (laughs) No! (laughs) Jason Carter's a starter, by the way, for people that aren't familiar with Xavier's roster. But What? So... A couple things there. One is that last sentence, Jason Carter, who was in the bathroom during loading time. (laughs) I believe it was unloading time. Unloading time. Semantics. Okay. The other thing is, does he have any friends on that bus? I mean, who? How do you? Did we have a Kevin McAllister situation? That's right. I mean. Kevin! Kevin! (laughs) I can picture Travis Steele, the head coach of Xavier. It's like, I got a feeling. Did we? We missed some. Did we shut the garage at our at, the, at our practice? That's what it is. We didn't shut the garage. That's what it is. We do. I do have the audio of uh, Peter McAllister. Of, no, of the uh, of oh. the, when they went back to get uh, Carter here. Okay. Perry, are you in there? Be right out! It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. That was oh, Mary Swanson. Amazing. I mean, uh, crikey. And the perfect thing about it was uh, Jason Carter did play in the game and uh, scored two points. Yep, yep, that's two of the biggest points of the game probably, though, right? He that's dropped a deuce. He dropped All a right, deuce. everyone. Right. That's right, incredible, guys. though. Isn't that incredible? I mean, is that you? You remember we had to have talked about this on the on the show in probably 2012. Whenever Creighton okay. was in Greensboro playing in the NCAA tournament against uh, against North Carolina, that the bus driver when we all loaded the bus, the Creighton team loaded the bus, the bus driver had a heart attack on like a, a few miles. Driving down the road, he had a heart attack and like had to pull off to the side of the road. And we were like stranded on this road for a while. And that like ambulance had to come and like help the bus driver. He ended up being okay, but Creighton was 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 really late to arrive at the arena. And I remember I had to uh, somehow oh, Rob right. Anderson sent Tracy Wolfson to me for me to explain to Tracy Wolfson exactly kind of what happened. Uh, but yeah, that's just, just talking about that bus issue. That made me think of uh, the moment in uh, in 2012. I mean, good golly, I'm seeing that right now. That's right, March 18, 2012. Yeah. Headline: Creighton bus driver suffers heart attack before game. It was it was crazy, Doug. 
I mean, it was it was nuts. You believe that? My goodness. Yeah. See, boy, talked to Tracy Wolfson. I was I was hoping. I don't think she name dropped me in her like you know like let's go to Tracy with more on Creighton's issues leading in. It was like thanks, Jim. I was talking to Nick Bahey, and he said. <laughs> I was talking to uh, Nick and, uh, well, part of the staff. And <laughs> I was talking to some guy that had a Creighton shirt on, and he said, and I quote, <laughs> me likey basketball. And then for some reason he said, um, man down, game off. And <laughs> man down, man down. Dog, there, was a, there was a hand down, man down. There was a, you know, there was a artery down, man down on the way to okay. the game, dog. Okay, artery down. Artery down, man down. Man down, man down. Oh, gosh. It Jeez. was, I mean, it was intense. That is scary. It was intense, my friend. What else is on your mind, brother? No, uh, nothing really. That's it for you. Um, Let's wrap it up. Another good podcast here. Y- yeah, no, I think that'll. Uh, I think that'll, that'll do, do it. it. And that was uh, that was great. Glad it. we're done. No, um, what else here? The uh, since we last spoke, uh, Luke McCaffrey says we out of here. Yeah, uh, that was uh, pretty much a done deal. And give me give me your reaction to it. Give me the outside looking in. I know you're inside, but you're outside. You kind of got an outside inside thing going. <laughs> What's the outside-inside perspective on this thing? Well, my inside-outside uh, game on this <laughs> is, is, is legit. Yeah. Is that it's not good. Mm-hmm. It's not going to break your program. It's not one of those, what are we going to do from here? But you have to ask yourself, would you rather him be on your team or not? The answer is clearly yes, because he provides something. Yeah, we were talking to, about him in in ways last year of hey, if if he can fix this, if they can develop him, maybe he can turn into the future quarterback, which is what Scott Frost thought he could be. I was surprised in that it happened because Frost had said repeatedly, "He's the future. Right. He's the future." It's almost like he was recruiting him repeatedly in the while media. he was on the roster, <laughs> right. right? Right. Like, he just kept re-recruiting him publicly to let him know. And that's the nature of the position now, where if you've got a couple guys, you better massage that. And Scott Frost tried to do that as best he could publicly, but apparently Luke McCaffrey uh, maybe didn't get the guarantees or at least didn't want the didn't like the optics or chances of him sitting for another year if that was going to happen. Um uh, you know, my cynical part of it is, well, you, you know, you kind of had your shot. Yeah. And it didn't go like you had hoped. But at the same point, Frost has got to find a way to develop these kind of guys that are highly rated, that are good recruits, and that have a lot of skill. And you can't argue the fact that Luke McCaffrey checks all those boxes. Did he check your quarterback box? I don't know. But if he didn't, then... That's on you when you recruited him. Right. Because you kind of sold him on being the quarterback, and he wants to be a quarterback. And so it was puzzling. It was, I think, for any Nebraska fan, it's a little deflating. And I think to try and spin it in a positive way is is a classic fandom well, aspect You can't spin of it. it positive. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, there's nothing positive about it. But I will say, I think the, the positive side about it, if there is one, is that it could be a good thing for Adrian Martinez. Yeah, for him to totally, completely not look over his shoulder and settle in 
I suppose. But there's, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if from the neck up that matters. Yeah, I don't um, know either for for him. But I, I just never thought you'd be in a position where, you know, after Adrian Martinez's freshman year, you're going to do what could be his final year. And you're nervous about the quarterback position, even though it's still Adrian Martinez. But that's yeah. that's the way we are. That's, I just think, I think uh, this situation is kind of the classic. Like a bunch of different things can be true at the same time. Like I think is if we're where we're filing this is like, of course, it's not good. Like not, it is, it is not good when talented guys that that are. It, it, on a side of the ball that lacks talent, because you can, you've heard program. like the you know I think Jason Peter had the take, hey if you don't want to be here get out yeah, of here and all it's it. like well I guess that's the classic former Husker take yeah. on it but that's not a realistic look at how you want to view your top talent in your program. I just and listen I get it I transferred so I am sensitive to this topic a little bit and what's amazing is like I'm actually like I'm not as I'm like pro transfer, but I'm not as gung ho pro transfer as you would maybe think, given my track record. You know, like I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know what I think of the whole, uh, you know, one free transfer thing. I think the having to sit out is a decent deterrent for emotional decisions. But at the same time, I think we got to have equity and like if, if a coach can leave and go coach right away in what he deems is the best situation for him, then why shouldn't a player be afforded that same opportunity? But few things elicit more hypocrisy from people than the topic of transfers with college football and college basketball. It's like, so, you know, every every player that leaves your program is soft and selfish and didn't want to compete, and you don't want them anyways, but every every player that is transferring into your program they just needed a change of scenery this is going to be a good thing for them they are actually really 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 all about the team it's like well come on you can't have it both ways and, and transfers when they transfer to your program they get better right right <laughs> get, yeah, it's like oh this guy's a transfer he's gonna great. really help us he's even better than he was when he was being recruited out of high school it's just silly and so I think at the core of it, it's like this Luke thing is bad, right? Like it's it's a yeah, bad look. Yeah. It's it's bad. It's bad optics. But I also think, like you said, he had every opportunity in the world. The keys to the car were basically handed to him this year, were they not? Like uh, they they were they uh, were for a couple of games, yeah, pretty much handed to him, and pretty much the. The the first play of the Illinois game, his little backwards yep, pass, yep. like he threw away his Nebraska career on that play. Like you can literally pinpoint that exact play. He kind of like threw it away right there. And he had his chance to become the man and it and it didn't happen. And I so on one hand, I, I also like I said, a bunch of things different things can be true at the same time. I also think we can't sit here and say, well, I, listen, I don't think Luke's the the long term answer at quarterback, and he's got major issues throwing the ball, and he's a project, and I I think Martinez is the guy. You can't on one hand say that, and then also kind of lose your mind when that guy then when Luke leaves too. Like that's kind of also a right. you know well which which one which one is it kind of a thing and. I also think the hard thing, because even even you got to throw Cade Warner into this conversation too, because he transferred on the same day. Yeah, he was a captain. He's a captain, and that's a bad luck. When captains of your football team are leaving, that's not good. All right, we got to take a uh, time out here on this podcast to tell you about a new sponsor. It is the Beanery. It is a great place to grab a coffee, a drink, a latte, a mocha, a smoothie. They even have muffins, bagels, breakfast sandwiches. Now, I want to tell you, Paul is the owner. 
He's a big fan of the show. And so that being said, he's listened to the show back in the olden days. So we need to be professional about this and make this advertising very buttoned up uh, and top-notch, Nick, and, and drive people to these uh, stores. So nothing jokey here. Definitely need to be serious. He's got, he's got three stores in Gretna, Papillion, and Ashland. He's locally owned and operated. Why are you talking as if you're knowing something about this whole thing? Now, they've got this new drink. It's the Schick and Nick drink. It's uh, caramel or caramel, however you want to say it. Uh, <laughs> caramel and butter pecan latte. We've had it, and we like it. it it's good. I like it. It's, it's fun. And if you order the drink, you'll receive a discount, which is incredible. Calm down. Uh, yeah, uh, calm down just a little bit. Now, if someone buys a 12-ounce bag of coffee from the beanery, they're going to get a free-brewed coffee all year long, all year round. It's going to be great. They've also got another promo where if you buy a $25 gift card, you get free drinks. Oh. Uh, that's, that's, that's right, David Faraday. And, and again, they've got locations to Papillion, Gretna, and Ashland. Head to the beanery owned by Paul here. Over here on our right with uh, Paul here. <laughs> oh, that one caught me a little bit. Uh, and when you get the Chicken Nick's drink, take a selfie. Tag the Beanery in your photos. They're at the Beanery N-E on Facebook and Twitter. And you will be a star on social. You are on a panel. <laughs> it's the Beanery. If you want to book it for an event for your business, school, or church, email Paul at info at the Beanery coffee.com that's info at the beanery coffee.com that's exactly right and make sure you tell him you heard about it on the chick and nick pod yes their last names are a big part of this and we can't completely separate them from their last names because it's a part of it but i also think it can't be the sole reason it's a big deal right like if luke mccaffrey was luke smith and cade warner was cade smith would we be freaking out as much as as everyone else as we are? Maybe not. And I see I see flaws in that, but I also get it at the same time. Again, I I, I know it's there's nuance here. There, there's a lot of nuance yeah. here, and I just think a lot of different things can be true at the same time. I just think of all the all the departures. Wandale Robinson's departure is the is the most impactful one to this football team in the short term. And here's the other thing about it too. I think the the last names are a part of it. I also think the hoopla of the guy when he came in is a part of it. Like the Warner thing is I mean it is what it is. I don't think that's to, to use that terrible cliche, but the McCaffrey aspect of it is this is a guy that was a top 4 dual threat quarterback coming out of high school was pegged as the future and there was still a lot of optimism and hope like when he came into the game you felt the energy oh, right man. like all of those things of man something scott frost just going into last season was hey when he is in the the huddle at practice things move more efficiently yes things move more effectively scott frost did nothing to minimize expectations on mccaffrey and so when mccaffrey gets in there and it doesn't go as well. There were times it went really well, and then there were times where it didn't go very well. And then it ends with him in street clothes against Rutgers. You go, what just happened with this with this uh, situation? And the the and also you can't have it both ways. In that, hey, you know, this offense, there's just not enough weapons around him. And then say, well, Luke McCaffrey looked terrible. It's like, well, 
you also kind of also a victim of who's around you. And this offense has not been clicking no matter who's been at quarterback since Adrian Martinez was a, was a freshman. And, you know, there's some nice young weapons there, but I don't know what that looks like in, in the future. Like, you know, we use the NFL example of Josh Allen. Like, he was terrible last year. Oh, you're throwing Stephon Diggs. Now he's an all-world quarterback, right? Like, right. So you need, you need some help, but you did see some signs like, eh, maybe he's a running back playing quarterback. I don't know. But here were the guys ranked above him, right above him, uh, in, as a dual-thread quarterback. Spencer Rattler, you know, looks like he's going to be pretty good yeah. at Oklahoma. Jaden Daniels, who's pretty good at Arizona State. Uh, Rashawn Johnson uh, at Texas. I don't even know if he's going to be a quarterback. And then it's Luke McCaffrey right below him is Talia Tungavailoa. And then you kind of get into the mixed bag of other guys that you don't know if they're going to pan out. But the point is, like, this eject button was hit pretty early in his career at Nebraska. And you don't normally see that from guys, especially guys that are highly rated, that are pegged as the future. And so that's where I think the alarm bells go off. And you go, okay, what is happening that a guy like him doesn't feel like this is the spot for him. And is it as simple as we are not winning? And that's what I think it is. It's as simple as we're not winning, and I don't want to waste any more time here not winning. And frankly, programs like Nebraska, that's why it's going to be hard, I think, to to build something special because it's going to take more time than maybe Scott Frost even originally thought. And if – recruits and athletes need to see more proof are they going to be patient enough to see that and i and i don't know if they are yeah i think you're right i mean i think i think the thing that just makes this even more amplified is the is the losing both both in how we view it and how the players view the situation i mean i think everyone's more apt to be patient fans and players aka luke mccaffrey included if you're winning I mean you look at a Mac Jones Mac Jones is willing to wait his turn and be patient and pay his dues when he knows when he does finally get his crack it's going to be glorious you know it's like when you go to Disney World or Disneyland you're you're willing to wait in line for the awesome ride because you know it's going to be awesome you're not willing to wait in line for the terrible ride because you're like this isn't going to be worth it and I think there's a little bit of that going on as well and you know I just Luke you know what is bizarre is what on earth happened? And and was this, like, the game plan against Ohio State? And I, I don't want to be disingenuous and because and, I came on the, the, the you know, after that game and been like, oh, that felt like a gimmicky thing. I don't know if that's sustainable. But at the same time, what what happened to try and u- trying to utilize him in other ways? Mm-hmm. Like, the creativity, which I thought was going to be a part of Frost Forte as a as an offensive mind, like it was there that first game against Ohio State and putting Luke in different spots. They never went back. To they it. never went back to it. And I'd love to know what exactly went into that. Was this just a a game plan against Ohio State of like, hey, we're going to get our brains beat in anyway, so who cares? Let's just kind of throw a bunch of nonsense out there, and then then we'll operate under normal circumstances after that. Or what? Like, I don't understand how there wasn't any role at all for Luke McCaffrey after week one unless it was at quarterback. That is is really perplexing to me. Yeah, it's like, did, did was there a message of, look, I don't want to be Taysom Hill. I'm Jameis Winston here. I'm either going to be the backup or I'm not playing. Right. right? Like, I'm either going to be the quarterback or I'm not I'm not doing this gimmicky stuff. I don't know. I don't. But you're right. You're. I, that's a really good point about – 
what happened to that? Because it seemed like that was going to be a, a, a part of this plan. And here's the other thing, too, that I wonder is that when you strip away the pomp and circumstance of Nebraska football, which can be the fans, the tradition, the atmosphere, the ambiance, the band, everything, and you strip all that away, you can be really exposed for how bad you look. Yeah. And this was a sterile environment this year, and they didn't play well. I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, I mean, like there was nothing there was really nothing to be excited about in the game because you knew, okay, we're not playing very well. It's such a roller coaster year. Even when you beat Penn State, you go back and you lose to Illinois with an empty house. And then you go on the road in the Big Ten, and it's still empty, and you're getting beat by Iowa. I I just wonder if all of that, when you tear away that, you're looking at basketball right now, right? They feel like pickup games. Yeah. College football, Nebraska football is centered on the environment and the fans. And there's a reason when Scott Frost says, I need, and any coach at Nebraska says, I need to get players here on game day, (laughs) right? They have to because that's what you're selling. That's also, I think, what players love about playing there is that. And you strip that away and you have a losing season, man, that could leave a bad taste in your mouth. You combine that with the pandemic and maybe I just want to go home and I was tested every day and we still had a losing record, boom, I'm out. It was just maybe a recipe for disaster this yeah, year. I didn't think about that, you know, I, it, because on one hand, it doesn't feel as when you're, when, you know, when you're getting beat by multiple touchdowns against Illinois in front of 95,000, yeah. It's maybe a little more in the moment, like, oh, man, this is jarring because there's 95,000 people here. But at the same time, there are some good feelings of the fact that, like, you get the pageantry of Nebraska football in whatever bits and pieces that you can imagine it. And when, when to your point, when there's zero people in the stands, you're really stripped naked. And yes. You're, yes. when you were up there bombing, you are up there bombing, you know? <laughs> right. And, and, I, and I don't think the bads – get it's the bads aren't as bad when there are fans like does that 41 23 loss to illinois happen if there's juice in the crowd like right. well and, I, I don't know and you know? to your you know you, you talk about how frost goes with you know the fact that the frost hey we got to get guys here to see it like that also helps impact how people feel about the situation too you know like right. Right. What what Luke McCaffrey and Wandale Robinson signed up for was to come play in front of ninety five thousand right. crazy Husker fans, and that wasn't there. So all of a sudden you're losing, and really the whole re- like think if you're Wandale and Luke, you go okay, I get to go play in a super high ex- high scoring mm-hmm. explosive offense in front of like one of the best fan bases in one of the greatest environments in all of college football, and none of those boxes were checked. None of those things were happening. <laughs> We're one of the worst offenses in football. There's zero people in the stands. This sucks. You know what I mean? Like they're probably sitting there going, "This is not even, not even what I signed up for." Oh, you know, this is this is like when you go on vacation. You've read the brochure, and this is going to be great. You get to the hotel. It's got roach. It's roach infested, and it's raining all week. Right? Yes. Like That's I just want to go home. I just want to go. I, did that, that, I think there's maybe a little bit of that of of guys like Luke McCaffrey and Wandale Robinson, what they signed up for was not coming to fruition. Some of it on Nebraska and some of it also is just on the pandemic. And 
So I, I get it. I, I totally understand from Wandale Robinson's perspective why he would want to leave. And I totally understand from Luke McCaffrey's perspective to a certain extent why he would want to leave. Like I'm not, not, I'm not going to be disingenuous and be like, why would, why would, why would he do that? I get it. I mean, I, I can understand. And I, I think maybe a little bit of what we're talking about was, was at play here, whether it was you know, consciously or subconsciously with those guys. Uh, and by the way, Dylan McCaffrey uh, on Sunday announced that he's going to play at Northern Colorado for his dad. Yeah, right? what? Because so, there were rumors that Luke was going to do the same thing, right. but I don't. I wonder what that'll. Because I don't. Because has Dylan just got one more year? He he has two years of eligibility at Northern Colorado and can play immediately because he's a grad transfer. Okay, so he's well got then two that, left. Yeah. Then then I wouldn't think I wouldn't think Luke will go there, but who? I don't know. I, I, well, here's the other thing too. You could go. You could make a pick stop at F- FCS. You'd get immediately eligible because everyone's going to get an immediate eligible yeah. waiver. He didn't lose any eligibility this year. And then if he decides to go and move back up, if he were to do this, you'd get immediately eligible there because you're going from FCS. So yeah, be interesting. You know. Really yeah. interesting to see what 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 ends up happening with with where he goes cuz i do think there's an element of if he if he ends up landing at northern colorado with his dad i think everyone also kind of goes all right i get that you're going to play for your dad it's it's where you're from i get that you know like i feel like that would actually like alleviate some of the there, there's still going to be a lot of people that are upset about it, but you know whenever you're going to go play for your dad it's like all right you're just going to go play for your dad i get it well i hope uh you know, Adrian Martinez, he was he was a leader when he was benched. It's time for him to be a leader again. Uh, you don't you won't have to question that. Just a matter of okay, Xavier Betts, like er, how, how's everything around him, right? And and this this is going to be a really telling season because if there's a normal spring ball and there's a normal season, it's all on Frost, right? Yeah. I mean, here we go. Yeah, I, and this is this is a big this is a big year. I just think. And again, everything's magnified when when the end result is not good. But I just I think you're finding out like I do think to a certain extent we make way too big of a deal out of every single thing Scott Frost says and does in a press conference, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I think you know Nebraska's losing games not because of what Scott Frost says in a press conference; it's because of they're not good at football. Okay, like that that's that's why they're losing games, right? But I also think he's got to be a little bit more careful in in. I don't know when he made the whole comment of Luke McCaffrey's the future around here. I don't know if he meant that like literally. I think he was just kind of like saying it, you know, but like, you, you know, when, when things end in a certain way, those words get thrown back in your face. And I also think like even decisions that on the whole, like after Nebraska plays great and upsets Penn State at home and Luke McCaffrey was the starter, a huge part of the whole recap eight minute highlight video reel was Adrian Martinez's pregame speech about, hey, it's not about him, it's not about me, it's about us, which is cool, but I also think, like, okay, like, also think if you're Luke McCaffrey, like, you just took the job over, and you're the guy, and you just won, but all of a, but the, the pump-up video is still about Adrian. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, can see I, I think you just, like... Sometimes I think the, the university needs to be a little bit more careful with the messages they're putting out there and then even Frost on, on kind of like what at times, again, I, I'm, I'm of the mindset that I think we make way too big of a deal of parsing through every single quote he has for multiple press conferences for the entire season. But sometimes you got to be a little bit more careful 
about what you're saying uh, to to the media because, you know, depending on how it ends, people are love to throw that back into your face. Yeah, and a lot's been made of him. I think Dirk wrote stories, uh, a story this yeah. week about all the quotes he gave about, hey, people can see what we're doing here. People can say, see we're rounding the corner. People can see that we're getting close. And Scott Frost is what he has been trying to do, and it's obvious, is you're always recruiting. You're always trying to put a positive spin out because the last thing you want to do when you're losing is also say how bad things are. Yeah, that's the thing because, <laughs> right? first of all, I, I again, I feel like I'm a hypocrite at times with what I'm saying. Like, I also think it's all – like that story from Dirk was jarring. And I also sh- got to give a shout-out to our guys, John Bishop and Josh Peterson on Sportsman-like Conduct. John went and dug up all of the audio of all of those clips. Really? And if you want to, you go go to go to the go to the the radio replay, the podcast page on sixteen twenty the zone dot com and listen to I don't know what segment it was, but you'll be able to find it on a sportsmanlike conduct where it's one thing to read those quotes, but when you hear them, it's like even more jarring when you hear you know, we you guys can. I know it's coming. I, we had our best practice ever. We had this. We had that. Like when you hear it, it's like wow. But I say all that to also say, what do you want him to say? Like, what are we really? I think I think we're, we have misguided anger. What people are really upset about is that Nebraska's losing. You know what I mean? Like, don't 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 kind of view all of what Frost is saying. And get upset about that more so than what you're really upset about are the losses. Because, like, I don't know what you want him – what do you want him to say? Do you want him to get up after every press conference and be like, yeah, I don't know if it's coming along, man. I don't – I really just – in some ways I almost feel like we're getting worse. Uh, we're I, – I just hope we can line up uh, 11 guys and snap the ball and get a play that looks like a – like it resembles a football play. You know, like, I also don't know exactly what people want him to say – in some of these press conferences, but at the same time, it is pretty jarring when you hear for three straight years uh, the boy who cried progress, as Dirk j- dubbed it in the in his article. All right, let, let's listen to this. This is courtesy uh, KOZN here on uh, Unsportsmanlike Conduct with our friends uh, John and uh, Josh. One of our sayings is have a desire to excel and no fear of failure. We're, we ran a bunch of young guys out there, and they're going to be – we got some young guys that are going to be great players. Uh but they have 22-year-olds out there, and we had 18-year-olds in some positions. There's no question in my mind that it, we're going to get it fixed. I, when you're building a new house, you can't build it on a bad foundation or you won't have a house very long. I think we had our best week of practice ever again. So if our goal is to get better day by day, it's been a good week. I've been saying it about three or four weeks in a row, but not, not only would we say our best Monday ever by far, I, it's probably our best overall practice. For, for the last three weeks, sometimes I wish people could see inside the walls and see how good the, the culture is right now and how much it's turned and how much better it is and how much the guys are banding together. The, the one concern I have, as great as it was today, it was our best practice ever. Uh, great Thursday. Um, far and away our best one we've had on a Thursday today. Our practice this week was way better than last week. We're just okay right now because a lot of the things that uh, are done are just okay. And um, I'm not going to be happy with just okay. I want a bunch of team players that aren't going to be happy with just okay. Um, and this is going to keep getting better. I'm tired of looking for silver linings, okay? Uh, because this team has to decide it's going to do whatever it takes to change it. I think this team's confidence uh, can sometimes be fragile. And that's the team that we inherited. Yeah, you know, I've been telling everyone that our two quarterbacks are two of our best players on our football team, and 
they both deserve to play and um if we can find ways to get them both out there we will luke's personality in general he's a he's a spark plug um he's he's just got energy that uh exudes out of him and i think people rally to that there's no doubt in my mind luke mccaffrey's the the future around here yeah i honestly believe this is gonna be the bottom right here we're gonna get this thing right they they brought us in here to get it right we're gonna get it right we're gonna get it right uh don't care how long it takes and and what we have to do uh, we're going to make those little decisions matter because of little decisions and little mistakes of what cost us a couple games. The progress is evident when you're inside these walls, um, but it's got to show up on the field. Sooner or later, the scoreboard is going to show it. There's no <laughs> doubt in my mind how much progress we've made. There was clapping going on on uh, their sideline, oh, no. and uh, Cam heard that clap and thought it was the quarterback clapping. I've been doubted in this state before, Parker, uh, and I'm sure there's some out there right now but um i know what happened last time and it's going to happen again are you kidding me i'm fed up this is big red football <laughs> that was a good way for them to end it Isn't that that's good great. but hey shout that's... out to shout out to john bishop and josh peterson yeah. i know i think john put that together that's not easy to have all that all those audio clips over the course of years and piece it all together you would know that better than anybody chick but mm-hmm. yeah in the, it is uh interesting it's, it's pretty jarring to hear it isn't it 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 is because it's it's the <laughs> when you put it all together it's the constant things are going to get better it's like telling someone in freezing conditions that summer is right around the corner and <laughs> you say well i'm uh, i'm out here freezing my butt off here when is it going to get warmer you're right yesterday it was 2 degrees today it's 5 so <laughs> technically you're right but i'm still wearing the same clothes as i continue to just be a hypocrite about this at the, like I think if there's one thing about it's not like he needs to drum up excitement about the program. It's not like he's at Kansas football, you know, or or someplace that doesn't give a rip about the program where you have to try to manufacture energy, excitement, and buzz about your team. Everyone in the sea of red does that no matter what. So sometimes I, I think Frost needs to take a page out of like the Dana Altman, Bill Belichick playbook of just everybody's okay. Uh, we're okay. Oh, we're all shucks. You know, we're just hoping we can go out there and, and compete and, and see if we can win a ball game. You know, like, you, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't need to, like sometimes when he tries to pump things up, I'm not sure who he's really pumping up because everyone's already pumped, you know? Yeah. I don't know if it's a positive self-talk or, <laughs> or what, I mean, he doesn't need to tell fans to be patient because Nebraska fans are – this is ride or die with Scott Frost, right? right. Like, if you can't do it, nobody can, and we're, you're not going to get fired. So just let's just see how this goes. you got a contract through 2026, and I think what Nebraska fans want – Nebraska fans are essentially – they're good people. They are understanding people. They are nice fans. But Nebraska – is about in the state and the people who work and the hard workers of Nebraska, whether you're a farmer or agriculture or, you know, insurance, whatever it is, you're based on results and you have to work hard and get results. Well, I and wonder, that, that's it. And, and, yeah. and eventually that has to happen. Sometimes I do wonder, though, as I was listening to that again, I, I wonder if he sincerely believes what he was saying or not. You, you know what I mean? Like, because it'd be pretty amazing to think 
that and then have the results be what they are. You, you know what I mean? Like, I, in my mind, I've kind of autocorrected in my head that he's just was trying to, oh, he's just trying to, you know, project optimism, even though that's probably not as good as, as what it, like, but what, but at the same time for him to, I mean, he's really sp- speaks like it's really coming and it's really not been coming. You, you know what I mean? So like you then start to go, I think that's the thing that, 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 Dirk kind of pointed out in the column of like, you know, in more ways than one, Scott Frost has lost credibility amongst the Nebraska fans, not only because of the results, but because of like that, of what he's saying. I think there hits a point when you like, you you tell someone, like to your point about winter and, and warm weather, cup, like if you tell someone over and over again, hey, it's coming, hey, it's coming, hey, it's coming, hey, it's coming, and it's never, and it, and it doesn't come, then people are going to start kind of rolling their eyes when you tell them that it's coming. Well, you're talking as if you're knowing something about this whole thing. Maybe that is what people appreciated most about Bo, is that he told it like it is. Right. I don't know. Did you watch it? You saw what happened. There was no fluff with him. You know what I mean? You even, I mean, during Sue's, like, Heisman run, he was like, oh, Sue's, they ate that some good things. I mean, he, was, he had some. He had a few plays where he was going back from a party. He was doing some good things. Like, that was the most – Sue would be like, uh, Bo, he had 28 sacks in the first half. He was like, hey, hey, he was okay. He, You know, he got after the quarterback a little bit here and there. But, you know, he had some plays he, he was – technique-wise wasn't any good. Next question. You're like, sheesh, you know. He was always he was always saying, hey, you know, it, this is this is not good enough. You know, I'm ticked off. I'm ticked right. off. I'm, uh, he would use other language. And then eventually, you know, people wear on you just like they always do. But he never he never sugarcoated anything. No. He didn't, uh, what do they say? He didn't uh, diddly-do and tell you it's raining, right? right. So no, there was none of that. So it's just interesting. I don't know. Yeah. As I, yeah. I hypocrite this thing. Both I see both sides of it. Uh, but it just, man, it's interesting when you hear those quotes and trying to make heads or tails a lot of that stuff on like, man, that is just a, that is a lot of saying the exact same thing and the results being the exactly what they are and they're not matching up with the words. Yeah. Uh, we'll get out of here with some emails here. By the way, you can email us laugh at chickennick.com. Always love your emails. By the way, follow us on Twitter as well at show is where you can follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook uh, as well. We always post our stuff on Facebook and Twitter. And also uh, check out our, our new sponsor, like we said, like you heard in the read, uh, The Beanery. We're really fired up. Paul yes. and the gang are, are on board <laughs> with us. Alex emails in at laugh at chickennick. He says, uh, the subject is, it's not funny. He says, she, <laughs> this is a Derek Anderson reference. Wife, why are you always laughing at that show? Me, wasn't funny. Wasn't laughing about anything. Wife, I saw you laughing. Me, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Well done. It wasn't, it wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about anything. The camera showed you laughing. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. It's well done couple others uh john we re- mentioned we read his uh sidetracked email last week so just heard you read my email about nick getting sidetracked on his road trip nick's response laughter and mark jackson i rest my case <laughs> checkmate so true i'm done so true I'm such an embarrassment uh john emails in a lot of joes and johns and james and jimmies and joes. jimmies and joes it's not about the jimmies and joes it's the x's and the o's you should coin that phrase yeah. john emails in and says the headline is, Snow My God, Here Comes the Wig. 
says, hey, guys, like most loyal Chicken Nick listeners, I find myself repeating drops from the show over and over again out loud in the same tone and inflection and sometimes within earshot of people that all direct the same confused look at me, which can be perfectly summed up by the Carl Polini drop. What are you trying to do? What are you trying to do? Okay, that's a, that's a very Carl Polini, so underrated. What are you trying to do? And then my personal favorite, oh, were you in the locker room? I didn't oh, see in there. Or you, or you, or in the locker room? I didn't see. He says, "This past Monday and Tuesday, while shoveling snow for the uh, better part of each day, Crikey. listening to your podcast and giggling to myself like a schoolgirl or Nick, uh, I found myself passionately reciting the phrase of all my Huskers, he's my fave. Snow, my God, here comes the wave, and I whiz in my snow pants. Yes. <laughs> okay." Uh, what does that sound like? Of all the huskers, he's my fave. Oh my god, here comes the wave, and I whiz in my pants. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's a throwback. He says, I love hearing the stories how the show ruins other listeners in a good way to immediately draw upon a Chick and Nick show drop when in a relatable scenario. I'm pretty sure my neighbors all think I'm a space cadet now, but to quote Taylor Martinez, nothing new. Nothing new. Nothing new. Uh, your show has indirectly provided a hilarious vernacular that has bonded my friends and I together since 2009. Yes. Thank you both so much for sharing your gifts with us all during this pandemic. Laughter truly is the best medicine. It is. John, thank you very much for that. And I'll leave you with this. I had a, and there are some other emails too. We can't get to them all every week, but we always appreciate you emailing in. I got a buddy of mine. His name's Brett. Uh, he and I went to college together at the University of Colorado. And it's kind of, it's the kind of friend that, you know, when we see each other, it's like we never, it's like we just saw each other yesterday. But we're not calling each other every month. We might text each other a few times a year, right? That right. might be about it. And he messaged me on Facebook Messenger. And here's what this, this uh, thing says. This is from this past Saturday. One o'clock, I get this thing on Facebook from Brett. He says, standing in line all morning waiting to buy bourbon at a liquor store in Colorado. And these cats in line are talking about the Nick and Schick show. <laughs> Going on about Nebraska football, LOL. He said, hope you and the fam are doing well. Was just reminiscing about my one visit to Lincoln um, and then said a couple other things. And then I said, that is wild about uh, hearing that at the liquor store. Hilarious. I said, I'll mention this on the pod. He said, they'd love that. Zach and Brandon, LOL. I said, was that their names? You introduced yourself? He said, yes, we've been standing in line for two hours together. Sheesh. It's like, all right, that's a long time. Too bad there was no fast pass for this bourbon. Yes. But he says, yes, got to meet these guys. They didn't know each other either, but got to talking about Nebraska football, of what? course. And they started talking about Nebraska football and our podcast, and they're in Colorado. So there you go. No way. And that that's a that is a small world. I said to Kelly uh, after I read that, I said, that is one of the coolest parts about what we do here with this podcast is that you and I get to, you know, have conversations. We get to reconnect every week and keep our friendship going and, and people get to eavesdrop on our conversations. That's what this is. But then people go and talk about what they heard and then use the same words and vernacular and all these things. And it's like this bonding language that people use together. Right. And it's really cool. I, I love that. I was amazed. That was one of the most amazing things. Like, yeah, I'm standing in line buying bourbon. That's and two crazy. guys in Colorado are talking about your podcast. That is that's about as wild of a of a of a connection as I've ever heard. That's crazy. That's that's a that makes my day. There's no question about that. And uh when he said, Yeah, it was Brandon and Zach, and I was like Zach who? Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, find us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, reach out to the Beanery as well. Go get yourself a Chicken Nick drink, and uh, this podcast is over. I'm not happy about that. Chicken Nick, yes! Chicken Nick, yes! Chicken Nick Show, yes! Here we go! You talking to a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing new. A Huda Media Production.